To Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and it's our winter wondergrass spectacular in the fall, mind you. Yes, we have Scotty Stoughton, good friend of Seth's, and also uh, a, a former musician who uh, has created this festival. And Seth, I really think that that's part of what makes this festival successful is that he's seen it. He's seen festivals from the side of fans. He's seen festivals from the side of working them. You know, in a managerial capacity, and he's seen festivals from the perspective of performing in them. Would you agree? I agree. Also, new friend. Uh, I didn't really know him before this. Well, good. I'm glad I'm glad you know him. And hey, speaking of friends, big thanks to Ariel Rosenberg, who's with Winter Wondergrass, uh, who helped uh, get this episode put together. And Spencer Garn doesn't get enough love at Diamond Street Studios. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you to Harris Sullivan and Sully. And, uh, of course, Cole Boudreaux. No relation to Lou Boudreaux. Yes. Had to add that in the, during the baseball playoffs, and people understand. Yeah, hopefully uh, by the time they listen to this, the Braves will be uh, in the next round of the playoffs. He went 5-for-5 five five against the Red Sox in 48 playoff game. One game playoff, Seth. You're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner. But thanks to Scotty Stoughton, we got to meet the vivacious Lindsay Lou. Well, yes, we did. She was wonderful. Uh, great conversation. We're supposed to be like 10 minutes, and I think we went about 30. So Seth's going to snip a little bit out of it, um, and then you're going to snip a little out of Scott's. You're going to you're going to take yeah. out. You're going to leave that in. You're babb- left, babbling left. about your kids. Yeah, yeah. Why not? You know, because there's some people that are parents. So parents, we got great parental advice at the end. There. But there are parents' podcasts. Oh, okay. And speaking of parents, big thanks to other people that start with a P, which is Pole and Clark. Yes, we're so glad to have Pole and Clark along with us, experts in the finance world, also people with an understanding of the entertainment industry and a lot of the you know, nuances of it, including tax, uh, changing tax laws, and also don't spend your money when you make your first amount of money and that kind of stuff. Don't wait till April and get screwed. Call Pole today. And get polayed. That's mm. right. And you can go to polayclark.com. So That's P-O-L-A-Y-C-L-A-R-K.com for more information about them. And of course, we are part of Osiris. The Osiris Family of Podcasts. You know, we have um, Daddy Unscripted. That is a parent's podcast that you can check out. Oh. The great Tim Wheaton is the host. He bravely put out an episode about when he... Considered taking his own life. Incredibly courageous. Um, you know, you got to be in the right frame of mind to listen to this one because it's not happy-go-lucky, just like the Linda Phillips book I'm reading now, but you'll hear about that in the future as well. Linda Phillips, who's the mother of Nucci Phillips, 
uh, about whom Nucci Space is named. But anyways. We have that episode coming out next week. It's a loaded one with, with uh, excuse me, Andy Frasco. And- yes, and um, Anders Osborne. That's right. I was waiting to see if Rob would get it right. Uh, loaded episode. Really excited to share that one with you. But here, while we're in the Winter Wondergrass world, we're going to give away a pair. We're going to do a contest. We're going to give away a pair of tickets now uh, to... See, I can't get tickets, listeners, but you can. <laughs> this is right. So what we're going to do is we're going to give away a pair of tickets. You can uh, enter the contest by putting in your email, and we'll tell you all the contest rules, etc. But all you got to do to enter the contest is basically just putting your email in and winning something, right? Um, you're going to go to our Instagram page and Instagram or page. our Facebook page. And or the Facebook page. And that's where you'll see information as to when and where and how uh, and those, the, the winner is going to get to pick their destination uh so they get a pair of tickets to whatever destination of winter wondergrass they want to go which those are in colorado california and vermont you can reach us on facebook and on instagram and by the way on twitter although the contest is facebook and instagram i will throw it on twitter too why not rob oh wow thank you that's You're my welcome. that's my playground hmm. i love people hating on me there I love people overly fawning <laughs> pedestrian treats. I love it. Inside Out, WTNS. With Turner and Seth. That's how we abbreviate it. WTNS. Inside Out, WTNS. And uh, let me tell you about which destinations. There's three festivals this year that they're doing that just announced. Winter Wondergrass. Steamboat Springs, Colorado, February 21st through 23rd. Nice. Uh, the next one is the Squaw Valley, California, March 27th through 29th. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And the final one. Up in my, ter- be, my former yes, stomping yes, grounds. Yes, that's right. It's going to be in Stranton, Vermont. This was, one's being called Sugar and Strings. I was right near there this summer. Headliners for the uh, Steamboat Springs is Green Sky Bluegrass, who also just announced today that they're doing camp, another camp, Green Sky. So congratulations, Green I, Sky. I love Green Sky. Billy Strings, Margot Price, Keller and the Keels, uh, Nikki Lane, the Traveling McCurries, on and on and on. Uh, of course, when you get to Squaw Valley, we got The Devil Makes Three, The Infamous String Dusters, and Billy Strings doing two sets. I was Peter, just listening to The Devil Makes th- the Devil Makes Three on Mountain Stage. They're really good. Yes, they are. I agree. Peter Rowan, Keller and the Keels, Fruition, uh, and several more. Actually, the Larry Keel experience is going to be on that one, too. And Lindsay Liu, of course. I uh, should have mentioned that one. Fruition. I'm in Fruition Heat. I'm all about this that band right now. We have a Fruition episode coming your way very soon. That's right. And... In Vermont, the infamous String Dusters, Cabernet, uh, Molly Tuttle, and Della May. A lot of Mays in that one. Kitchen Dwellers, uh, Winter Wonder Women, and more. So, again, Winter Wondergrass. Check it all out, winterwondergrass.com. They've got special gets at all of these. I think Jennifer Hartswick's at – yeah, Jennifer Hartswick is doing a couple. She's doing the one in – Colorado and uh, the one in Vermont, but more at winterwondergrass.com. Check out all of our social media for a chance for you to win. You pick the winner's going to pick the destination of their choice. It was funny. You brought up the, uh, with Scotty Stoughton, the possibility of a winter wonder brass. Yes. Yes. Uh, Jen would be involved in that. We'll talk about that in the episode. Just no covers and no all-female themed and none of that. You know, have it just be a good band, right? He, he emailed me today and told me if I come out to one of them this year, I can collect my royalties. <laughs> you know what else is cool? I'm going to take you up on that, Scotty. You know what else is cool about this? What's that? This woman, Lindsay Liu, not only has a great CD out called Southland, which, by the way, you want to go to, for her tour dates. You want to go to, oh, I had it up here, uh, Lindsay Liu Music. 
Music.com. And let's make sure, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-L-O-U music.com. And she, mm-hmm. as we learned in this interview, yeah. sang at Scott's wedding. That's right. That's right. Well, let's uh, what do you say we jump into it. Yep, in that little cubby hole at Eddie's Attic. I love that room, but it's not ideal for interviews, but we did the best we could. Here she is. Lindsay! Lou. Backstage with the lovely oh. and talented Lindsay Lou. I just heard my response to you, and I realized that it was so much like a skexy because I've been watching the Dark Crystal series on Netflix. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> What's the story behind that show? The Dark Crystal? Yeah, I well, it was Jim a movie Hansen in the eighties. Yeah, the eighties. Yeah, but now it's a redo on Netflix. Yeah. Oh well, excellent. Yeah. Good. What's your thumbs up? Thumbs down? Medium? Well, I think it's very entertaining. Tell us about the flat... Well, thanks for your time. Go ahead, Rob. We want to talk about the flat bellies and how it led up to your current band and and your current band, your new sound. There's even a little punk on your new CD. Can we hear about that evolution? Yeah, and it continues to evolve. Um, The flat bellies were a band, a bluegrass band in Lansing, Michigan. And they... I, I ran into them at this tavern, Dagwood's Tavern in at a uh, open mic hosted by Jen Siget and uh, Mark Stir of course who you mentioned is this well, just retired from the a long career of stage management at Hoxville about time Mark <laughs> Seth's buddy yep Seth wait Seth Bernard no I'm Seth oh you're Seth oh, oh you're also Seth. Seth and you're Rob I know your names of course I'm Lindsay <laughs> nice to meet you <laughs> um so anyway uh very drawn. I was very drawn to them. Um, we started making music together. We started touring under Lindsay Lou and the Flatbellies. The time came where it felt like we had grown and evolved uh, past whatever the Flatbellies once contained, and so we dropped the name. And I'll tell you that that. Uh, that, 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 that really my story, to be quite frank, is that I became a, a groupie to the Flatbellies. I was making out with the mandolin player. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we married each other. And then we made our most recent record, Southland. And, it, and we were discussing the name. And, and Josh had the idea of dropping it. And... Um, this you you I, I hope you don't use this actually, but if you do, I won't be mad because I'm saying it to you publicly. I, you edit these, right? No, sometimes. Okay, that's upon fine. artist request. Okay, 
That's fine. You don't have to edit it. I'm just going to tell you what I told the crowd recently, which is that I took Josh's name when we got married. I became Lindsay Rachel Rilko. That's my legal name. Okay. If you ever want to, like, I don't know, steal my identity, that's what you want to know. Or send you snail mail. Snail mail. You can send snail, snail mail. Yeah. <laughs> you can send snail mail to Lindsay Lou, even. You can even write me a check to Lindsay Lou. It'll still work. Okay. Good to know. Um, <laughs> You can write all sorts of things on a check. I realize the bank cashes all sorts of things. <laughs> anyway, uh, I took Josh's name. We got married. He took my name. We made the newest record, and so did the rest of the band. You took each other's name? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. I kind of think it's cool. I that... like that better than a hyphen, because what happens when two hyphenated people marry? Then is it a three hyphenated thing? Right. Well, this, this is so complicated. Creator. This is just like, legally, I have his last name. Publicly, he performs under my name. You know, but huh. really we are individuals and I just found out that we're both virgins because we belong to ourselves. Wow. I know. Thank you. So I'm a virgin. That's amazing. It's been a, a little, uh, oh yeah. Come and get me ladies. <laughs> Never forget my first. <laughs> Have at me. <laughs> speaking, so. of, speak, spe- speaking of first, I know you have Billy Strings on your shirt. Yes. Yeah, look at how nice it goes with these pants. It does. It le- no, because when it was folded like that, she's wearing like this uh, very green kind of leapfroggy kind of pants. pants. Mm-hmm. And then there's a frog popping uh, out. Actually, I'm going to take a photo. Billy, on the Billy Springs string shirt. Which, by the way, you used to live across the street from them, right? Yeah. So yeah. what's that like to impromptu jam on the porch with Billy Strings? Uh, it's lovely. Was Molly Tuttle around there, too? Yeah, we did the same thing. We sometimes jammed on the porch, too. Why can't I live in neighborhoods like that? One time, one time, we, were, one time we were jamming on the porch, and the, the lawn service came, and it was very loud because they were mowing the lawn and weed whacking and everything right there, and we were playing a Carter Family song. We were playing that song, uh, um, uh, uh, something planted by the river, it's going to come to me later. Anyway, we were playing Carter Family Song, and the lawn service came, and once they finally left and we finished the song, he looked up, and he was like, see, if we could do that, we can get through any sound check <laughs> or any sound situation. And I, was, and I thought, that's exactly what I was thinking, and it's the truth that... That the, the, we we have so many distractions when we play music, whether it be the weather or the sound or p- somebody distracting or, or Rob and or chatty, or chatty or audience, chatty audience or something in our own head, something that's going on in our personal lives. that's ripping us out of the moment of, of this like sacred musical yeah. space that we're in. And and the it was really nice just to come back to the fact that that we have the ability and the power to own that space in whatever environment that we're in. Well, you're good at commanding an audience's attention. And is that not good for a young musician, maybe to be confronted with a, with a less than ideal audience so that it's part of the learning curve. You, you learn how to command attention as much as I hate a chatty audience to a young musician. It could actually be a good thing, right? Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I see what you're saying there for sure. Um, I'm, I'm like, I've been sort of on all hopped up and, and, you know, quite literally tripping with or without, without substance, just tripping on the, on the notion of, 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 of all of us having the actual possibility and potential to live in heaven on earth with each other right now. And, 
Well, that's the thing. I don't understand. Like, I'm not a religious person, by the way. I'm just Jewish. And <laughs> I mean, the idea of heaven is like, what the fuck? Why? Why are we gotta wait? Like, might as well like that. And that I kind of live a life of trying to every day be happy. Yes. Live happy because Do it's a things. choice. Actually, don't miss out on opportunities. Yeah. Go after opportunities. Yeah. And and you know like the you get you ever drink those yogi teas they get the little tea bag wisdoms oh yeah yeah I, I like to read out. them and then I have a song that goes tea bag wisdom <laughs> <laughs> anyway us. an attitude of gratitude brings opportunities that's one of them but t- tell us about the current the current CD and how it's a departure for you you know there's even elements of punk in this and um, were you did you go into the studio with these songs knowing, oh, wow, this is going to be more of an eclectic version of me? Or did that sort of, was that just a a result of the process? You know, when people ask me questions like this, I I feel a little bit scattered and lost and overwhelmed by what the actual response could be. That's why it's good you're on a podcast because we got time. Oh, great. Because it's like, where do I... actually. It's just the intro, remember? (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, the intro. No, but have at it. But like, where do I start? You know, I mean... I grew up in a musical family. I've in as an adolescent was very into Lauren Hill and the Cranberries and the Indigo Girls, you know, and like this just just like the family repertoire mm-hmm. of, of songs that we all jammed. You're sing in Indigo together. Girl Country right now, being here in Decatur, yes. Georgia. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's okay. Um yeah. Kid oh, Fears. Oh man, Kid Fears. That was actually I made an EP or like a, a recorded an album with my friend in Texas when I was like 14 and that was or maybe I was 16, but that was one of the songs on it. Brilliant. That was the Indigo Girls song we decided to cover with the guy from REM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he yeah, he comes out there's a video that's out of print now where he comes out and he actually improvises vocals on it. Michael Stipe, yeah. Yeah, Michael but the song Stipe. at its core, the songwriting is absolutely brilliant. Yes. Is that Amy is... or is that that might even be Emily? Emily is singing the lead on that. So it's probably Emily. These days Amy's doing more of the writing than Emily. Emily's more into restauranting and she can still play. But Amy continues to write great stuff. But I'm sorry. I mean, I love the Indigo Girls. Oh, my God. Me, too. I love the Indigo Girls so much. They were such a huge foundation of my musical identity. And, yeah, I, I hope that maybe maybe one of them is, like, listening and they'll be like, oh, who's this random girl? Like, maybe 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 she wants to sing with us. She would invite her to the show. Yeah. What's we'll, to hurt? We'll, we'll put it out. Yeah. She reaches Rob, out to musicians. Just yell outside. Go outside and yell. <laughs> She's very, Amy, I know, is very generous with other musicians and stuff. She's yeah. always reaching out, looking to help people out. Well, I love them. And, and they were, they were, so anyway, so then I, you know, bluegrass and acoustic music and family jamming. I found Josh and I found the Flatbellies and I found this whole bluegrass and acoustic Michigan music scene and it felt like home. And, and I, I found, I found an, uh, a, a voice within that but but obviously anyone's essential voice transcends any words or genre or description that's just the way it is we use these these this this language of genre in order to communicate but it's not actually mm-hmm. like the words are not what it is right so it's a symbol of what it is and what it is is something that's greater than that or something that's different from that and that's that's what i would say about how my my sound has evolved and i would say that that it hasn't really moved directionally necessarily it's just it's found itself in different environments and different contexts mm-hmm. And I've been me the whole time. So you're not really a start to finish type person. You look at the world lineal. Linearly? Wait, isn't start to finish linear? Uh, 
you don't just look at the uh, path going from one place to the other. You 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 look at it as the multifaceted yeah. sort of like quantum physics. Yeah. Approach. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like Earth is you might be on one side of Earth, but you're really in the middle of everything. Yeah. This got real heavy. So on that note, <laughs> the, the Earth has winter, and with winter comes winter wonder grass. Yeah. And you are a winter wonder woman, isn't that correct? I am. Can you lead our show? Because what the show is going to go to is we had, I sat down with Scotty uh, in Colorado, and we talked all about winter wonder grass, and you being a veteran of winter wonder grass, tell us a little bit about your experience being a part of it and you know being a winter wonder woman. Well, I'll tell you that the first image that popped into my head as you were setting up the discussion about winter wondergrass is uh being somewhere between the ages of nine and 15 and going to one of the neighborhood skate ranks i grew up in the upper peninsula of michigan which is almost to canada there's a lake between us and canada northern wisconsin uh-huh. sort of territory and in the wintertime, all the neighborhood baseball fields and soccer fields and fields of any sort become ice skating ranks. Hockey ranks. So, yeah, hockey ranks. Somebody <laughs> takes a hose out there. Some uh-huh, nice neighborly okay. neighborly citizen takes a hose out. And, and, and there was at least three or four in our neighborhood that we could go to. And there was one real close to my friend huh. Tiffany and Brittany's house. And we would go there and we'd bring our boom box. And we would make up ice skating routines and we would sing and we would dance and, and it would be, you know, probably negative 10 degrees outside and we'd just be bundled up and we'd be laughing and having such a great time that, you know, body temperature is so dependent on mm-hmm. our, our mentality and our Right, which is a whole lot of space. deep conversation we can get into another time. But <laughs> Cool. Oh, yeah. Right. Let's write it down for next time. What did you dance to? What kind of music? Oh, they were, really, they were really into Celine Dion. So Celine Dion was, and it's, it's, that's like really theatrical music. So I think that that's something that that's, that's a a person that we would ice skate to, but you know, I'm, I know that there were, that there, there was a a list of other things that it's escaping me because the, because the real direction and the point of, of why I'm thinking about this is that playing at Winter Wondergrass took me back to that space of being in a place that's cold, you're sort mm-hmm. of, you're, you're, you know, you're really in the elements and you can feel Mother Nature's power upon you. And here you are, uh, you know, a hairless monkey, more or less, with, with, your, with your nice warm and cozies on. And what's getting you through this is your camaraderie with the people who are around you who you love the music that you are totally embodying and experiencing and the the just the activity of it and you 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 know when i when i've played at winter wondergrass everybody gets real close to each other and it's a it's it's a really celebratory it's a festival it's festive and so right. everybody's there and they're happy and people have got their coats unzipped and and you know, and you, and you get cold. You do. You get cold. Well, us musicians, our instruments are going out of say, tune. Yeah. Our right. fingers are cold, and 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 it would be easy to it would be easy to like buckle under the weight of Mother Nature, and we have the option of embracing it mm-hmm. and being in it. And that's one of the things I really loved about it. And I think that growing up in the North Country, 
set me up to sure. to be to have a sort of like aptitude or or um, ability to roll with the cold to yeah. appreciate the cold. Can you speak to how Scotty treats the artists and how it might be a little different of an environment for the musicians than other music festivals? Scotty Scotty is a deep feeler, you know? He is he is um I would I would call him an empath. You know, he's one of these people who is really sensing the state of what's going on, the nature of what's going on. I had the uh, really um, incredible honor of singing for his wedding recently. Oh, yeah. And I met his mom and dad, and I met his sister, and I got to... his his mom requested a song that they would sing to him Mm. called Watching Scotty Grow, and... I got to sit at a table with his sister at the the Airbnb that they had rented for the weekend to for the wedding in in Buena Vista is how the locals say it uh uh and um and I was just I just fell into a puddle sitting there with his sister just reflecting and communing in this in this sisterly family love for somebody and no and and she was she's a lot she's i don't know maybe like five to ten years older than him Mm -hmm. and so she was you know i have an older brother who is older siblings like that almost become parents they're siblings but they're also caretakers and 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 um and they just talked all about how his like real zest for life and for entertainment and music and you know, not buckling under somebody saying you can't do this. You know, he's the type of person which I really relate to, where when you tell them you can't do this, it it only fuels the fire within them. <laughs> well, for example, a festival in the winter when festivals don't happen. Yes, exactly, that's a good point. That's a right. Example. So he's he's doing it, and and he cares very deeply about about the 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 family of strangers that come together in order to create something that becomes a community. And the, you know, he's very concerned and putting a lot of energy and attention into offsetting carbon footprint. uh, So that, because when I first went there, I was like, man, there's, you know, we're, there's a lot of heat that's, that's heating up these places. And it just, I'm not sure if this is like, is this sustainable? You know, I thought honestly as as a as a as a participant in something that we all have a certain degree of of reservation and skepticism when you even especially towards things that you mm-hmm. feel very inclined towards, sure. you know? Right. So and and then to find that the everything that he's doing to everything that he and the entire team that he's put together that which really is like a family. Um everything that they're doing to offset that and to and to really put care and attention into doing it in a way that is sustainable it's very it's it's very um it's nice to nice to see and nice to be a part of you know talk yeah. about some of the unique things like Seth was telling me that there's some sets that are at the base of the slopes, so you could basically ski. Oh, the gondola you're talking about. And then there's also the, the gondola, gondola set, but I thought you said there were also little stages like when you're skiing. There's about, no, they have the, the beer stages where the up-and-coming acts are at. I mean, that's just incredible. I yeah. can't even imagine. It's so cool. And one of the things that he that he's really focused on is creating unique uh, 
musical experiences for people. And so it's very, very highly focused on collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so every Winter Wondergrass I've ever been to, I sang with all, and, and all sorts of different scenarios. These bands pop up out of nowhere. What are some of your favorite collaborations that you were involved in that you, that come to mind? Well, I've been thinking a lot about Jeff Austin. There's sure. a, a the show coming up in November. Yeah, where I'll be out there helping out with the auction. And speaking of mental health mm -hmm. and and uh, yeah, we were speaking earlier about how we had been to Nucci Space just yesterday, and we recorded that episode, that inter uh, interview. So some of some of the most that was I would say that was one of one of the more meaningful memories that I have from Winter Wondergrass is you know standing side side stage with Jeff Austin watching Billy Strings mm -hmm. and having him look at me and he said something and I responded and he looked at me right in the eyes and he said oh I'm not alone and I said no and then we just stood there and stood next to each other in silence appreciating Billy Strings together and and at the next festival we sang uh, Cold Rain and Snow together um, in a band that was a throw together of Pappy and Charlie Rose and Bridget and Jeff and me. And, um, you know, these these things that pop up and and he and Bridget and everybody on his team, they're thinking they they have a vision. And and that's that's what I'm talking about with quantum physics is creating this vision of a, of a possibility that's mm -hmm. that's. You know, who knows if if it's actually going to happen, but you create the vision. Out of nothing. Out of nothing. You hold it in your mind, and then you do the work. And that's what he's done, and it's it's been really cool to be a part of it. And you can check out, Lindsay, you're doing the California and Colorado this year, not Vermont, correct? We're, I don't know. Can you pull up those dates? One is Steamboat Springs. Well, I'll, we'll do them in the intro. Colorado, okay. I might be doing all of them, but I don't know actually. I, I, I'm, I've, I've been working as, as a person to focus more on things like the art mm -hmm. and less of things like the logistics and the. Which makes sense. That's why you got such a great management team. Yeah. Are you more inclined to break out a new song or do something unusual at a festival such as this? In your own set, of course, when you're playing in the campground or gondola, anything goes. But I'm saying your set when you're on stage, your time. Is it are you more likely to take risks or I'm basically always my my likelihood of taking risks depends on my assessment of the comfort of the people who are going to be subject to my risk taking, which in this case is the band. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on how how the rapport is and how the team morale is. And and I, I, I gauge I gauge my risk taking based on that. Um, when I'm, I've been doing these Instagram live things and when I'm by myself, I, it's all bets are off. I, I basically do whatever is in the moment and cool. mistakes come and, and I take them in stride and, and it's, it's really nice. Miles Davis said there were no mistakes. Miles Except Davis. I love how he said that he was disappointed when he went to a show and he didn't hear any of the musicians make any mistakes uh, yeah. because uh -huh. they weren't pushing themselves enough. He, uh, he and Wynton Marsalis didn't get along, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody there's, you know, division. The only uh, one, one thought I had today or yesterday was that, uh, that division meant for anything except the uplifting of diversity is a distraction from reality and the reality that we want to live in. You hanging out with Tom Marshall? I don't know who that is, but I want to. <laughs> Probably. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Like we said, we're going to have you back on the show, do a nice deep dive Wait, with you. Wait, one last thing. And... A gondola set. What? T- tell the listeners, because that sounds really interesting. Tell the listeners about a gondola set. What is that? And how often do they happen? And, uh, you know. You obviously didn't listen to the interview with Scotty. I have not yet <laughs> listened to it. Have you done one? Have you done one? I have done one. My first, the first gondola set I ever did with Winter Wondergrass was for all of the volunteers and workers for the festival. Oh, nice. My mom and dad happened to be there. It was their first time to California. It was our first Winter Wondergrass. And coming up over that mountain in that gondola, and we're playing our music, and all of a sudden, this huge mountain just comes into view and then you get over the next peak and the next huge mountain comes into view and you're all in the sky together sharing this moment of music that's never going to happen again and it is it's incredibly special and and my dad videoed the whole thing and he was still talking about it the next time i saw him months (laughs) later i want to go to one of these stuff well you could uh, tickets are on sale, and you can go to winterwondergrass.com, and you can choose which adventure you want to go to, Rob. Colorado. All you need is a credit card, and you can pay your way, Rob. Colorado, California, Vermont. That's right. <laughs> That's like my mentality. We're like on the same page. <laughs> I need a credit card, right? You can pay for all of my cat's medical bills. <laughs> How do you have cats? You're on the road all the time. I have one cat. That's the problem. I know. Is it on the road in the in the van? No. Oh. I think he would actually adjust okay. But I had a friend, Rebecca. You actually know Rebecca Jean Smith, I think. Anyway, she used to travel around in an RV, the side, like one of the van RVs, and she would have her cat and like go to like uh, you know uh, Swanee River and like open the door, and the cat would go hang out during the whole festival and mm-hmm. come back. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's all about how you socialize him. But no, Al, Al lives at home, and and he's got an autoimmune disorder, and he's needs constant care and. Uh, that's that's the reason for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, well thanks. You. <laughs> keep, keep living in your grandmother's spirit, and by that I mean being radical. Oh, thank you. Oh yeah, we forgot to bring that up. Do you want to do you want to tell the quick story about your grandmother? About how she wrote the word "fuck" on the chalkboard and spent the night in jail in 1969. Right, but she was trying to teach. She heard this. She was doing a good thing. She heard the students using it gratuitously, so she really tried to break it down, which is actually the best thing to do. Education. She, it's like a, a pre. A, a foreshadowing of cancel culture. Yeah, yeah could you the, tell the story? But the, it was a kindergarten oh, wow. class, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was a high school. Yeah, high school literature, uh, and you know, so each class would come in by the hour, and she gave the same lesson, but it was obviously different class mm-hmm. to class because it was a discussion based lesson, and they talked about what the word "fuck" means and in relationship to ourselves, to how we. I, do we make love or do we fuck? Do we fuck with each other or do we fuck with the earth, our relationship with Mother Earth? We and, stub our toe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, the, it's. I think that there's some ambiguity here within maybe even my family about what the, le- the lesson is because we all glean a different lesson from the lesson that's taught. And I love the word fuck. It's great. The f and the k, it's great. Right? Who right. doesn't love that? When used for emphasis. When, when used not for used emphasis, gratuitously. Not used gratuitously or when used like all of the time in life, we want to be attentive and relaxed. If we're attentive and relaxed every moment and how can you be attentive if you're not aware? So what she was doing, in my opinion, is instilling a a bit of awareness and just giving some attention to what that word so that they weren't using it uh, like gratuitously is is one way to do it or 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 without awareness of of what it means because we use language as a sort of magic spell to conjure our reality right and so if we're not even aware of the language we're using and that's in like i i 
in my own life, I think that I've sort of taken a step beyond that now and, and have been listening to Alan Watts and, and just really appreciating the, the discord and the disparity between a word and what the word represents. And so not letting, not letting language be a master of us, but rather serve us. Yes, that is well said. Thanks. Well, bless her for trying to teach something real instead of rote memory. Yeah, amen. But, well, Seth, why don't you send us over so we can learn more about this great fucking festival. <laughs> Winter Wondergrass. I love uh, this fucking festival. <laughs> it's fucking great. I, might, I just might fucking go. See some fucking music in a uh, goddamn gondola. Here we go, here Without we go. Without further fucking ado... <laughs> Winter Wondergrass is Scotty. Oh, sorry, Scotty. I love you. <laughs> I love it everywhere. Playing in the band, foreign land, snow to the sand. Now the time has come, got to run, follow the sun. Down to the sea, behind you and you and me. All right, well, wow, here in Denver, sunny Denver, sunny, sunny Denver, Colorado. It's just beautiful here. And uh, sitting down with Scotty Stoden from Winter Wondergrass, as well as a plethora of other things, to uh, let's have a nice little chat. How you doing, Scotty? Doing great today. It's good to be here. What a beautiful day in Denver. Only 95 degrees, but it feels like in Atlanta, maybe 75 in Atlanta. <laughs> That's a big difference. You've um you're newly married uh and if I understand right um you have your roots here now in Denver and was it Fort Collins or Steamboat Springs Steamboat okay Yeah That's a new move I've been around Colorado for 25 plus years a little yeah, bit in an airstream Yeah I spent some time in the airstream that was mostly in uh on the west coast in a great little town called Ojai I spent some time in LA but been in Colorado a long time and uh, freshly moved to Steamboat Springs. Now that's not where you have winter wondergrass. You have three winter wondergrasses, right? This, uh, well, why don't you tell everyone first about winter wondergrass? Uh, I don't know if our, all of our listeners know uh, what you produce. Sure, um, winter wondergrass. Um, it is actually in Steamboat Springs. It was created in the Vale Valley um, eight years ago, um, trying to bring the best and authentic string music, combine that with the best beer. Um, and create a culture of people that love to see a winter festival, um, which is pretty crazy. So we started, and uh, people um, really gravitated towards it. We've had a great experience and moved it to Steamboat, and then since expanded to um, Squaw Valley, California, and then last year we were in Stratton in southern Vermont. Wow, okay. Now, describe, you say winter festival, so is it like, well, we've been, uh, it's a field, but it's all just snow. Like, What do you mean by winter festival? So we take over um, a parking lot at the base of the of the community, uh, the base of the ski hill, and it's really all about community finding communities that kind of exemplify what we're what we're really thriving to be a part of, and, and focus on sustainability, uh, communities that really take care of one one another, uh, beautiful mountain areas. And we set a backdrop and find a parking lot, and then set up about twenty tents. So we have an outdoor main stage that's heated, and then we've got three huge beer halls that have side stages. And then we do a, t- a beer tasting component, too. So there's um, some of the best local breweries each day tasting um, at the early part of the festival. Kids zones, um, 
some sponsor areas, coffee bar. So essentially you're, you're outside, but you're also inside. So you can get warm and then you go out to the main stage and watch the set and then you go back to a side stage and things heat up there. So it's, a, it's more of a carnival than a music yeah. festival. Are people skiing during the day at all? Yeah, we do a pop-up um, events on the mountain. We'll throw bands uh, on snowmobiles or on the gondola and throw them on a lodge somewhere mid-mountain. And we do free shows for people. And you ski all day, and then you come to the festival around 2 o'clock. Uh, now, I do remember seeing ALO uh, <laughs> and a gondola, like a video of them doing that. It just reminded me, uh, sorry, listeners, of Jam Cruise. And uh, <laughs> I always mention jampers within five minutes. And uh, <laughs> But no, we like the elevator jams, you know, mm-hmm. and that style. And so the gondola thing, that's... Uh, that's kind of a very unique. That's a very unique element uh, of Winter Wondergrass, and it is. the lineup is it. This, it's not the same at every um, every venue that you do this. All three, but there's a lot of there's some crossover. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got our foundation. You know, the bands that that um, really are a part of Winter Wondergrass and have been since day one that people want to see, and then we kind of sprinkle in some of the fresh and upcoming acts in each market, and a few bands we call coast to coast acts, which will play, you know, all three of them. Now the core of this is kind of the core of this uh the scene that you're creating is, is also a lot of well, actually a lot of the artists that we've interviewed such as green sky bluegrass infamous string dusters uh railroad earth and you know the the string bands that you mentioned um and do you find it challenging to compete with you know with all the fact that a lot of these artists are playing all these same festivals you know you know what i mean like strings of soul or what's the one in vegas or you know, there's there's a there's all these um, mm-hmm. festivals. Is, do you find that that's a factor that's helping hurting? I mean, because it's, it's all the camaraderie, camaraderie that everyone really likes with these artists. But yet, you know, it's it's interesting because if you did that yeah. with certain other bands, it'd be like, no, no, I'm I'm gonna go to this or that. They're not gonna go to both. And it seems somehow that it's, these bands can all bounce around like that, and it doesn't affect the the number, the draw. Well, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's a lot that does affect the draw, and it is very difficult to go to the same bands and hope that they draw the same amount of people. All, us being grassroots, completely independent, you know, I'm the promoter, but I'm also the one that's organizing the toilets. You know, we do it all. We're whereas grassroots as it comes, so we need to sell a certain amount of tickets. And when bands play too many events or too many festivals it definitely increases the stress level and it's, and it's hard. So we're always trying to find a few artists that are outside the box that aren't doing, you know, the, the typical stuff. Um, and, and we do the, a pretty good job of that. I think first and foremost, we want to support the artists though. And we want to make sure that they're making a living and they're doing, um, they're getting the, the, the work they deserve and the nod that they deserve. So, um, I've been accused of being the nicest promoter out there in a lot of ways because I don't play, the card that I could play to block artists from doing things because I believe in giving them an opportunity to make as much money as they possibly can at the same time, making sure that we protect our brand. So instead of relying on any one artist or any one you know, big headliner to come in and sell tickets, the core mission from day one has been to build community to honor equally the volunteers, the local um, uh, food truck folks, the, our staff, the artists, um, Everyone that's involved with our community of Winter Wondergrass is equally important. So we've created a sense of, of a gathering that's rooted in um, developing a deeper sense of community. And so people, I think, come to our festival no matter who's playing. We've got to have great bands, certainly. Certainly. Well, in this scene, it's, uh, you, you got a good, good amount to choose from. Uh, yep. But on the note of great bands, are you the 
just to get to know, to get to know you a little bit more here, what kind of promoter are you? The promoter that that looks for that big band to be able to to like shine, or are you looking to? Do you also have do you have an element where you're looking for that ear to the ground, what's coming up, and and to find that next green sky, blue grass, or mm-hmm. yonder mountain, or whatnot? Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I've been promoting for twenty five years almost i played a little bit of music as kind of a, a failed artist um but it taught me a lot about the struggles of musicians and what they had to go through to achieve um success and so i have a huge soft spot in my heart for the artists that are out there grinding day to day so i have a huge ear to the ground i rely on a lot of musicians that are touring a lot to like give me the inside scoop i go check out a lot of bands and i listen to a lot of bands and I'm all about developing, you know, the next headliner because it's it's a cycle and we all need each other to, you know, continue this cycle. Well, you need to have a good memory. And wasn't your first band's name short-term memory? Oh, yeah, that was, that was a bit, right. early mid-90s band for a couple of years. That was yeah. out in L.A., right? Uh, we formed in Vail, actually. And oh, okay. then we, um, we moved to L.A. to get a record deal and quickly collapsed. And you were booking <laughs> shows at the Rancho Del Rio, is that right? Um, I started booking, I took over this venue called Gartens, which is a legendary venue in Vail that was, bound, that was built on a parking structure that bounced. But I also would promote at Rancho and mostly at State Bridge, which is a pretty legendary roadside saloon bar um, outdoor venue that really taught me a lot about what an experience at a music festival should be. And how old are you? 48. Okay. And you came from the East Coast, so mm-hmm. you're just, just like every other uh, Colorado <laughs> yeah. Colorado uh, musician, you know. They're all from Colorado, but no, come on now. Yeah. New I've Jersey boys, 20, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Gosh, tw- over 25 years um, by way of school in Rhode Island and um, spent a lot of time skiing in Vermont, so... Now, when you were doing these, uh, when you were booking in the beginning there, uh, at what point did you connect with the string bands like Blue uh, Green Sky and I keep going to them. I don't know why. I think they're just the always on the top of my mind. But man, they're they're crushing it right now. They are crushing it. Uh, but like, what point did did that start grabbing your interest? Say over like because you know Winter Wonderest could have been instead of strings heavy, you could have went like Mo Twiddle. I don't know. You, mm-hmm. you could have went that path. I think um, the few reasons I chose the Winter Wondergrass direction. I had I. At the time, eight, nine years ago, I was deeply involved with helping to create and promote a huge electronic festival called Snowball, which morphed into Snow Globe. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar so, with that. And I, at the time, I owned a nightclub, and I also ran an outdoor music venue, and I had been playing music. I never knew much about bluegrass or string music growing up. Jersey Shore is kind of surf culture. Reggae was the, the foundation, and my band used to tour a lot, and... I linked up with uh, Leftover Salmon and particularly Mark Van. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah. And uh, he became a huge fan of, of the band and he and I became really good friends. And so I started to see what this um, stringed community was all about. And beyond the music and how incredible it is and how talented everyone is that performs it, there's a story there. There's a sense of community. There's a sense of camaraderie that I wasn't finding certainly in my world, which was more uh, pop, punk, hip hop, reggae. They really care for each other. This community of bluegrass artists, I was, I was really blown away. And it's all about honoring one another on stage and sharing the spotlight. And I was so impressed by how the artists, like the, the main guy in the main band would constantly shine the light on the guest or someone else that was there on stage. And you just don't see that. No, you don't. But so like I, I thought about that this weekend when I was watching the lock-in 
uh, fe- when I was watching Locking Festival and saw some of the highlights. I didn't yeah. watch the whole thing, but I saw a highlight where, you know, a young band like Twiddle, which, you know, they're, they're young, could be a fifth generation jam band or however you want to call it, right? But then they got the nod by, you know, Grateful Dead Bob Weir to sit in with them. It's like, oh, well, cool. that's, that's, so the, there is that in, and I'm just talking jam bands here, but there is that in that world. But you're right, though, with the, so when I talked to Sam Bush, and I, uh, we were talking to Sam on the podcast a couple of years ago, uh, we were talking about Green Sky and these upcoming bands and and in the string world. And, you know, he doesn't look at it like the next gen. He doesn't look at it like fifth generation, sixth generation. He's, he looks at the next generation, the evolution. Yeah. And, and I do, I mean, not to put down any of these twiddles or papadozios or any of that, you know, pigeons, et cetera. I think they're all relevant and doing doing great. And some of the music I, I do like. But when, but in comparison to string music, um, this it's uh, the evolution is it's 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 um, one is like lineal and one is lateral, and I feel like with string it's it's evolving and moving and moving, whereas the other is just kind of it's kind of just stretching. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't speak too much of of about some of the bands that you mentioned and their growth and trajectory. Well, I just don't you want to book them one day. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I, I'm not in that scene. I mean, again, I, I, I booked from cascade to bass nectar and all that world. And I saw that world and uh-huh. I was like, you know, I, I just, I just, I turned another direction, um, and followed my own inner compass towards what was authentic. And in this time and in this space and in our culture and in, you know, the challenging world that we live, we need more authentic messengers and people that can deliver something from the heart. And I've found that that's a common thread. I.e. Billy Strings. string scene. Yeah. So that Billy is, Billy's the one that's kind of like next generation. If we want to use that terminology of the next wave, let's just say next wave, right? Billy is right there. And you know, the shook twins, I think are, are, are with that. And, um, um, any rate, but what, you know, what, what other bands are there that you see that are kind of filling in that next that next wave um in question. the strings in the strings zone. yeah in the, in the world of winter undergrass like getting back to the question about like how am i just relying on a headliner or am i is it about the middle lines but the bottom line and i think there's some great bands and artists that are kind of intertwining um and climbing the ladder of the scene you know, we've had little smokies for years the band that i really love we've had billy strings for seven years in a row i believe um watching his evolution um, You've had like, it for seven years, because he's just like, let's face it, the last two years, it's it, wherever he was, he was kind of, kind of climbing up yeah. that, and then it's zoom, it's like it, it's it's happening so fast. Yeah, you know, same as Marcus King in the uh, amazing in the rock and jam groove world. There, I mean, he, same same trajectory there. Yep, maybe maybe Billy's been six years. We've had him since since the Veil days, but um. Band like Fruition, I really love. You know, they're kind of crossing over, writing great strong songs. Great songwriting, right? In the right? string world, but not really. And I'm okay. Like Winter Wondergrass isn't about booking just string no, bands. No, because you it's, had, like you said, ALO uh, yeah. there, and we'll drop in some some fun stuff. That the theme is they've got to play if the lights go out, meaning they're not going to walk off stage or complain if the power goes out. They want to be in the community for more than one day. They're not flying in, playing, and leaving. I want artists that want to be in, in the community and, and go get a coffee and talk mm-hmm. to people and inspire people because the fan that meets a Sam Bush or, um, you know, Paul Hoffman or, you know, Jay Anderson, any of these guys, you, you see them out having a beer or getting a coffee and they say hello to you and it builds this incredible bond and this connection. Then you're inspired and you go back to your community and talk about how wonderful it was because these are real people. So yeah. that's kind of the, 
that's why I book the bands that I book. It's for not so much, or as much as their music and what they've put out, but who they are and how they exemplify the values of community and sustainability mm-hmm. and environmental activism. And a lot of these guys, they're, they want to go out and connect with their fans. Uh, and they also want to be able to have that space where they are isolated from their fans. But when they're isolated from their fans, they don't want to be isolated from the other musicians. They want to be able to, yeah. like you say, Sam Bush, to be able to go to Paul Hoffman and pick up where they left off. Uh, so what's what's that like? Well, how do you um, how do you construct your uh, your artist compound backstage? What's that world and what what's your what's your involvement in that? Um, kind of part of our you know of deep importance to us is create a great space for the artist to feel comfortable with amazing lo- locally sourced food, you know, a somewhat open bar. So we'll build a tent behind the stage. Um, there'll be private dressing rooms. Um, that are heated, obviously, and decorated. But then there's a really cool tent space that's got um, food service. There's a bar. There's a place to sit and pick and jam. Um, we open up all of our late nights to any artist that wants to go. You know, we create backstage scenarios and scenes that are comfortable, uh, inviting, welcoming, without expectation. Just a space to let people kind of create their own experience and know that they're in a safe area. Now, you also mentioned something about... Um Winter Wonder Women or something like yeah. that? Yeah. What's that about? Um, kind of long. Because I am single, so yeah. <laughs> you should come. I mean, our our lineups each year evolve more and more um, with powerful women. Um, not so much as a as a as a affirmative action type thing, but like holy cow, like these girls are kicking ass and crushing. And not only do we have great female artists that come and perform, we've got some great female artists that work for the festival. Uh, namely, Bridget Law has been working with me for years and has been a huge supporter of Winter Wondergrass. And so she's always sitting in with everybody. And my good friend Megan Letts, who's out there working for us, but also an incredibly talented artist, and she would be sitting in with people. So we said, let's create a space. Let's give it some time mm-hmm. and create Winter Wonder Women. So they draw off the artists that are coming and uh, the ones that are local. And we did it last year, I think maybe in every single festival, and it was phenomenal. Oh, I like that. So now you've got Winter Wonder Grass. You've got Winter Wonder Women. Now I'm thinking you might be able to <laughs> double dip, get Jennifer Hartswick, and have Winter Wonder Brass. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm all about it. And Natalie, She's phenomenal. You know, and then you know, fill in the, all the other horns. You I know? like that. But <laughs> Just saying, yeah, you're welcome for that. I get 10%. That's fine. <laughs> um, so you're at three festivals the uh uh i believe you said the um lineups i'm trying to pull my notes up here i apologize lineup is coming out in october is that right yeah october 3rd october 3rd okay and um so three this year is the plan to grow more um than the three or just to build out these three solid well they colorado and california sell out every year Mm -hmm. really grateful for that we've built a good community um in vermont we're getting there so the idea is never to expand for the sake of expansion I, a lot of people ask me like oh you've built it up like now you're going to sell it or you, let's grow it to this point and then sell it well that's not a typical my, model for a lot i mean just has my ag or live nation knock i think ag probably would be the closest one to knock on your door for an event like this now i've had a, i've had a lot of people you know have these discussions and i did some deep dives with some people that wanted to buy but i looked back and i tried to place myself you know if i live to 80 years old now on my deathbed i want to I want to say that I did things for the right reason. So building community is really of mm-hmm. utmost importance to me. And if that means that we expand into another market, then we will. But only if that's the right market, if that community you know, is desiring what we're doing, if we feel that we can, we can support the artists there, if it's a good opportunity to spread this message. Because the message of these artists 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. these, these acts, they're important right now. It's the real deal. So if we can help them help push that scene, yeah, we'll expand. But it, we don't sit there and strategize on expansion. We do strategize on making every experience better each and every year. No matter if we sold out one or a hundred of these festivals, the day after they're over, the first question is, what could we have done better? How can yeah. we make this, make the experience better? So that's our focus. Do you walk around taking notes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah we do. And yelling at your staff? No, I'm just joking. Nah, uh, no, you don't, no, you don't no. like My that staff's <laughs> the best. Like they, they're, I'm, the, I'm the lowest guy in the totem pole. Like Everyone around me is incredible. So you're a true entrepreneur, though. If, um, if I understand correctly, you own a company called Adrift. It's a whitewater rafting outlet in Utah and Colorado. Is that right? Or are you a partner in that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I help put it together. I, I started a, I'm a huge stand-up paddleboarder. Oh, you're the, so you do jokes? I didn't know you were funny. You do stand-up paddle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do a little stand-up paddle. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm only funny to my new six-year-old daughter. She uh, thinks I'm hey, funny. So that's, that's the best audience. That's the best thing in the world. She's like, you're pretty funny. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it's a... So you're not involved with it right now? You just, I am. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, okay. we started Stand Up Paddle Colorado. I love of paddleboarding. I was actually in Kauai playing a gig, and Bill Kreutzman sat in with us on the beach at sunset, and we were all inspired to go paddleboarding. And okay. So, yeah, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> and so seven years ago, six years wow. ago, we started Stand Up Paddle Colorado, which morphed into a drift. Um, and the idea is that we take people five days through um, – Dinosaur National Monument, Gates of Lodore, this gorgeous part of Northwest Colorado, huh. through national parks, and you've got five days on a raft, no cell phone service, no video, no media, and you're floating all day. You're going through rapids, and you're setting up camp, camping under the stars on a beach, doing some hikes, sharing music, sharing dinner, sharing some drinks. Is it and people going together, or is it uh, yeah. so like you just like a group, or do you put people mix and match? You can book. So if, you know, you can check out at adrift.com. But yeah, check it out, folks. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Cool. I'm interested. Yeah, you hey, go. listen, I'll tell you what, put me on a trip. Absolutely. And I'll podcast after, not during, because I wouldn't want to get my mic wet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should. Um, we're, our next trip is September 7th, and I'm, I'm going on it with my brother and uh, nephew and a couple of our Winter Wondergrass team members. And That's smart. It's a, it's a really important thing to do in our community right now. It's like everyone is so focused with your heads down and looking at your devices and social media and flipping. And not that I'm against any of that, but I think it's really important to teach awareness yeah. that that's not the ultimate part of life. It's only something that's been a part of the yeah. 70 million hum, year human existence for blink. 10 years. But, but what that itch, I mean, listen, I... I like anyone else spend way too much time. My, my thumb muscle, whoo! <laughs> you know, it's like I mean, there's no reason for just that. Just be flipping through that, but I I can't stop. It's an addiction. Yeah, and it's like the dopamine. It, it, yeah, it's weird, right? It, yeah. So like, but you know, as humans, we need that. So, uh, what's it like to get off though of the river five days without <sighs> cell phone and to like come back to like reality? Because even like when when I go away, I mean. Mm-hmm. It, you're still exposed to stuff and now with internet, you know, you're, you're still connected and you're still yep. looking at your Facebook, but to get away from that, it's like, you know, how many Donald Trump things did you miss? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't care, but yeah, it's a good question. And I think, um, it's one of the most important things that I'm meant to do on this earth is to, is to inspire people to take those kind of trips. Um, I do it a lot and I'm really lucky and I did one 21 day trip down the Grand Canyon on a paddleboard. Wow, 21 day, huh? Yeah, I mean, on I a paddleboard. S- I did it on a paddleboard. I swam my ass off. You know, it was a lot of uh, facing your fear every morning, um, paddling on known waters. You so know, people do waters. ayahuasca, you do uh, Grand Canyon. Yeah, that's next on my list. <laughs> I'm excited to explore all types of realms. But um, after 21 days or five days on the river, you are changed. Mm-hmm. You remember what's what's right. Like I have a lot of injuries, right? And after 
21 days of not focusing on walking on the pavement or thinking about, you know, the, the, th- the stressful parts of life or, you know, or my knee hurts, my elbow hurts, whatever. Getting up every day and meditating a little bit, stretching a little bit, paddling, helping the boats unload, getting into this like rhythm of cooking, having a nice conversation, yeah. play a couple songs, go to bed under the stars, waking up at sunrise. It resets your body and it, you become yeah. deeply inspired. Like you can write, you can, you want to conquer the world when you get off the river. You feel so good. So yeah, well that's the reset. I mean, it's total I'm, reset. I'm, I'm kind of hooked on habits right now. Like I'm, I've been reading a little bit and I just, eh, just paying attention to habits. And I love the mm. fact that, so I, someone asked me like, it must be really hard to travel, you know, do all these gigs. And I find that coming back from the gigs is so it's hard sometimes because mm-hmm. it's fun to be away and this party and the whole deal. But I like it. I like coming home. I like going away to come home because when I come home, I can restart new habits or, get rid you know get rid of other habits so like you know if i'm drinking wine and i'm you know week after week next year if i'm cooking i'm drinking wine it becomes his habit but when i come home it's like a fresh start mm-hmm. and that something about that fresh start and being away but i can't i can only imagine the that being you know multiplied by so much by truly being away absolutely well you hit you hit it you know it's changing your perspective and it's being comfortable with being uncomfortable like my favorite quote in the world is Mark Twain's travel is the only thing you can buy that makes you richer. Truly, like nothing that you think you can buy or your image, it doesn't mean anything, but experiences are everything. And again, you gain perspective on who you are and what your community is truly doing and what you can do to make it better. And that's what we need as human beings. As much as it's okay to be involved with social media and technology, it's part of our world, but have self-awareness that it's actually not reality. It's just a tool that you can use to help develop yeah. your consciousness. Well, you said you have a six-year-old. I mean, I have a six-year-old as well, and I fear for my six-year-old when he turns 13. And a matter of fact, I look at my friend's kids that are yeah. 13 now, the pressure. I mean, listen, my last name was Weiner. Is Weiner. So I was Seth Weiner. I had a headgear in middle school. You know what that is? You remember the braces? With <laughs> oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my, my parents, my parents <laughs> sent me to middle school oh, with headgear and pimples. Yeah, yeah. All right? And then they got me medicine. So now I've got headgear with medicine that's making my nose bleed so I don't have pimples, <laughs> but I still have pimples. All right. That's bad. Right. Now, if, I, if that was now... I'd be dead. I could, you know, like I had a hard enough time like dealing with like, you know, the youth group drama of the, with the girls and the friends yeah. and all that. And we had, you know, fight my sister for the telephone. You know, the internet was barely anything. So these kids now, like they get on their phone and it's just like, oh, like they're so judged. And yep. I just can't imagine what the self, it's gotta be, it's gonna be hard for them. It's a, it's a really it's a really important thing to face. And the fact that everyone on Instagram, they don't post the crummy pictures of themselves in the morning. They post everyone doctors up the photos and everyone's beautiful and everyone's perfect and everyone's living the dream and the competition to keep up with that when you can't mm-hmm. dissolve that that's not reality is yep. going to be really difficult. Like Well, the kids now, the 13 of my friends, 13-year-olds, they all go well, like, what do you? So, what, when I was a kid, I would ride my bike. We would go, you know, before we even drove, right? Or we, even if we drove, went to the movies, we hung out. It was always hanging out. We're going to Wags or Denny's, you know. Like, yeah. it was, you know, I guess we're left over from the fifties, right? You know, going to the yeah, milkshakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but these kids now, like, they go and they go to landmarks, be it you know the Pont City Market roof or you know just these different places, right? To get their photo taken and to put and get, find the best one. And right. I just I. 
I don't know. I mean, I I'm happy that they're doing it together. So there's mm-hmm. there's friendship and there's they're not alone. But I also feel like you know, go 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 for a ride. Like with some false foundation, right? Like where what foundation are they building or are we building when everything that's consumed daily is not based in reality? You know, this oh. is reality. You know, the, the planet, the Earth, people meeting people traveling like that's the truth so all of these experiences that are built on like a digital interface with non-realistic components that's what i'm curious to see what happens there's an well i mean i could tell you a a, a a guy who is in his 40s and and um social media active right mm-hmm. um it's kind of funny when people i see that i haven't seen for a while are like you're divorced it's like, yeah, what do you think I'm going to, you know, they're like, oh, you're, you know, like, yes, you're only going to see smiles. Why would I put anything out of me being negative? Right. Like, I mean, I'll talk about negative things, you know, like we were earlier about mental health and challenging things yeah. like that, but I'm not going to put my, my, you know, my inner weaknesses and fears and like, no one's, and some people do thrive on doing that though. And that's yeah. a weird thing too. But, but is it that weird though? You know, it's like. No, I think we need more of it. I think we need more of a real perspective. And when <clears throat> some artists really highlight the ups and downs of their careers in in a in a good fashion to make it more real and understandable. And I think those are the ones that are truly like leading a very positive um, you know, future because everybody that puts nothing but incredible achievements up there all day long, you're not inspiring anyone. You're probably creating a sense of um ego. Yeah, certainly ego. And if you're struggling with, you know, depression or, or you're down and out and all you see is all this fake, you know, stardom, like, where does that leave you? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's that's a hard, that's that's hard for folks, um, mm-hmm. especially if you evaluate your self-worth based on... Image, uh, right? Yeah, image or where others are. Right. And in your, you know, like I grew up in a you know in a jewish family where my mom would say well i'll never forget you know the wedding you know well hold on a second what did they i'm going to so-and-so's wedding what did they give you for your wedding the fuck do you care they gave me for my wedding i just well because we're getting we got to figure out what we're going to give them and it's like give them what you want yeah but what they give you you know what they gave your sister i don't care what they gave my sister you know yeah 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 that's myth or our parents generation that is but our generation looks at it not so much in the gift thing but like that person was able to do this, this, and this. I'll look at the life they live, and oh, they're. It's like, well, what you know, find your inner happiness. Share Absolutely. that. Don't worry Envy's, so much about everyone else's. Envy is a killer. My my daughter had an incident yesterday where she th- threw rocks at a kid, and my mom, or my mom, her mom, my wife. Same thing. God. Um, <laughs> Go to your room. She did a great job to like discipline the child, and I, this is a new daughter for me. Like I, I'm her stepdad, which we. That's a whole really weird word, but um. So I'm learning to be a parent. And I watched her discipline the child. And the whole thing was having her explain to me what she did wrong right at the dinner right. table. And own up to it and understand there's no consequences for right. being honest, telling the story, feeling bad, moving through it, and being inspired by something you did wrong. And, yeah. and, and that's like what we need that's, across the board. It's that's okay. Parent. That's the way I parent. I, I, mean, I was I, like... I've had... You're I'm, amazing. I'm glad to hear your daughter threw rocks at six because I. <laughs> the guy was not, not only my mean, son. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> no. But the thing is, is it's interesting because it, six and four are different. You know, six they know they're doing wrong. Hmm. They really do. At four, even so, but they know, like you know, and so at, at this point, I had the same type of situation, and I'm 
to talk through my son and all the steps you just said. I'm like, look, dude, this isn't about you being in trouble or not. You know, like just own like where were what motivated you to do that? You know, I don't want to hear about the other kids like, you know, mm-hmm. we, they could be wrong or right. But let's we're just talking about you because that's the incident. And God, it's such a cool process when they own when they take ownership. Yeah. And they work themselves through that. It's just I don't know. It's like as a parent, it feels really good. It's like, wow, there's a, this kid's getting it. Yeah, know? it's amazing. And I looked at the little girl and, and I'm, I'm, I said, you know the answer. It's in your heart. Like, you know it. And she, I think a light went on. She was like, yeah, yeah I do know th- what's right and wrong. I'm like, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just allowing all the clutter to get out of the way and follow that, that inner directive. You well, know, as which parents, is, it's important for us to, to be able to guide them to feel that. Like, my son has anger issues and I'm like, you, you know, I why he's acting the way he is i understand mm-hmm. but he needs to like how are you feeling right like can you as an adult i'm still trying to do that like you know like instead of getting it i work so hard to let go that now if a car you know cuts me off i'm like i take a deep breath and i'm like I'm, yeah you know like i'm gonna get there it's no big deal just calm down everyone's okay why am i gonna go fight that guy why am i gonna yell why am i gonna create this bubble of space and negativity and you know, to t- try, I try to teach that to my son to find like that where where it creeps up on you to just recognize that and now know like oh there it is, be weary. You know, and like his school's mm-hmm. teacher uh, taught him to put his hands like when he gets upset or something like put your hands in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And now and then she's teaching him like if you if you put your hands in your pocket, the next step is to recognize that. And it's like building these triggers so you can control yourself. You know, no, it's amazing. It, reactivity is the very you know difficult thing to to not have control of because nobody can make you feel like you feel it's your own interpretation of that interaction and your reaction to it right and so the biggest piece was i said it is okay for you to be upset you are yeah absolutely i don't care why you're upset because you're upset and whatever got you upset is justifiably you're justified to be upset how you handle being upset how you work through that how you treat others. Right. Maybe you're upset because that person did this. Maybe you think through it and that person did that because you did something else. You got to work through that, but it is okay to be upset. And and at first I would get mad at him for, you know, you know, beginning being upset. I'm like, "Why am I mad at him?" It's got to right. like you it's okay, dude. It's just you this isn't okay. And that's a big thing. And I and society doesn't really tell us that. They're like, you know, you shouldn't be upset, you know. But no, you you should be upset actually. That's true. Um so Ah, yeah, we, we just, there's definitely lots of lots of lots of talk about. One thing I do want to <laughs> want to bring up though is Bonfire Entertainment um, mm. is an organization you work with, and they do Camp Out for a Cause, where all the proceeds go to uh, your partner Mike's NPO, and that's for his daughter who has a form of a uh, childhood cancer. Is that correct? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about. Well, just tell us about that and sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bonfire Entertainment's kind of our umbrella company. So we started um, Camp Out for the Cause twelve years ago. As kind of the first um, dip into the festival world, and the foundation has always been gathering artists that want to build community, surrounded in an, envir- an environment that's um, you know pristine and um, inspiring. Um, river components, hiking, yoga, and it's grown into a really wonderful space. So you say it's down grown. The road. It started with like how many people? It started with like probably three hundred people. So like a hoot nanny camp out small, it's and tiny. now it's grown to. Well, it was at Rancho Del Rio where it grew up to about, it was still small, maybe 1,500. And then I moved it to um, an incredible property in Buena Vista. 
the most beautiful uh, outdoor space. Is that I've the ever one that uh, Madison House did? That vortex. vortex. Yep. I yeah. hear it's gorgeous. It's unbelievable. So we found a home there. Another great community that's evolving that um, understands what we're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. and we understand their mission. And so we've built a great relationship. And now in our third year there, we've gone from five hundred to a thousand almost 2000 last year. Wow. And we donate everything that we make over expenses to different nonprofits, uh, local environmental or humanitarian, but currently to uh, my partner, Mike Welly and his daughter, Emmy, Emmy's friends. And it's, Emmy's um, friends. Yeah. I've heard, I feel like That's I've heard that before. And it's new and it's, it's awesome, but they're highlighting not only just helping kids going through um, early stage or, or, all stages of cancer treatment at an early age, but they're focused on getting great food to the families while they're going through the treatment. Explain that. Great food to the families. Well, usually, you know, if you get put up, if you find assistance and you're, you know, they were in Boston and they were given um, an apartment and they had their treatment um, was being partially taken St. care Jude's of. St. Jude's does a lot of this too, right? That style where I they put you so. up and stuff. Right. But what was missing they found was the food. You know, they would get uh, help at a local supermarket with no organic food, no direction on how food is related to healing and health. So they're really focused on supporting uh, families and their opportunity to get great, healthy, organic, locally sourced, sustainable food and ingredients that can help the healing and really amplifying the the connection between Mm -hmm. good food and health, which for a long time in our culture has not been highlighted. People have an ailment or a disease or an issue, get a pill you're not solving the problem. So with better food, better nutrition, better understanding yeah. and awareness of where your food comes from, the healing becomes more attainable and it, and it tastes better. So they're yeah. focused on that, which I'm Are so they proud working of working with, do they, do they also do like communal cooking and things like that with the food or is it just prepared for, well, right now they're raising money to support families in their, whether it's purchasing locally, mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's gift cards at Whole Foods or natural grocers or or, or outlets that have mm. you know access to great organic food, or it's you know helping the family buy. I'm not sure you know the delivery mechanism, yeah. but that's, that's the a, focus. So that's uh, Emmy's. Emmy's friends. Emmy's friends. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to check that out. And and the event sounds pretty interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, philanthropic opportunities there with all the river activities and this sort. If you ever want to talk to someone that does fundraising, I know a guy. Oh, named, yeah. He's your rockshineer. <laughs> We're doing he's it. Sitting at camp right out. in front of you. <laughs> Definitely. Camp out is is such an incredible gathering. It's um it's like a Wondergrass presents event. So mm-hmm. there's tie in. There's a a thread of commonality between Winter Wondergrass and Camp Out. Um, obviously the weather is different. Out of fifteen hundred people, there's probably five hundred kids. Oh there's, wow! So the, a lot of families oh, are bringing. It's all families. There's all of the camping is shaded creekside camping. Then the uh-huh. meadow is like fifty acres of grassy, sweet, soft meadow in front of three fourteen thousand foot peaks. Huh? And there's it's not a noise un- ordinance issue no, there. No, but we, you know, we don't go late. You know, the right. part of this festival is, you know, we start yoga and meditation at eight. There's workshops throughout the day. There's hiking. There's kids' activity. There's a huge pond. So there's swimming. There's a beach. There's sup yoga. Oh, man. It's like camp. It's amazing. And then we do, you know, we've got great shows. We Billy Strings headline last year, California Honey Drops, Winter Wonder Women, Trout Steak Revival. We've got Little Smokies. We've had Mandolin Orange, Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Mandolin Orange. That's a name. That's, that's a, maybe, is it, are, are they? So I'm, I'm ignorant because I just <laughs> discovered them oh, recently. So but it's, I keep hearing... They're doing more and more. Are they this? Are they with like the Billy Stream wave? Or are they before that? Um, they've been. It's probably a similar time frame, but mm-hmm. they're a little bit different. I think the, the describe the, them to our listeners. Um, it's real, honest, um, soulful, talented, uh, focused on string music, um, 
with a lot of, I would say, soul influence, um, roots influence. They're incredible. Husband and wife duo um, that write the most incredibly thoughtful tunes I've heard in a while. Mm. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Elephant Revival, and I they might have turned... Elephant, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I might have got turned on to Mandolin Orange through Elephant Revival, okay. but they're writing honest songs. I mean, check them out. They're, their stuff's amazing, and they keep churning out records. And wow, they're yeah. crushing, but they're it's mellow. It's uh-huh. a listening experience for the most part. Until but, the husband and wife get in a fight, and then it gets to punk rock, but we won't go there. Yeah, it no, might. <laughs> um, but those guys are great. And to see them grow, like mm. another band that so funny we, we used to put them on the side stage first 500 right. bucks you know first slot now i'm like i can't afford you guys and i have great conversations with the agents and managers uh-huh. and it's like we're so transparent I'm like i love you can't afford you i'm always there for you they're like we love you you can't afford us we're always there for you and i'm like hell yeah that's that's amazing it's like watching your kid go off to college you right know? well that's as a, a promoter an independent promoter uh as yourself uh, that's got to be one of the most challenging things is mm-hmm. to, to be able to let that go. I mean, as, as same thing with booking agencies, the boutique booking agencies. I mean, look, Chad Denny, I can't tell you how many bands that left Deggy, uh, or no, Deggy, he's with uh, Nimble Slick. He's been, he's been with Nimble Slick for like 10 years, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he just joined Nimble Slick. It's a crazy time. any rate, though, but Chad, you know, same thing. Uh, gets these bands, they get to a point, and... They got to go. And it's like, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to keep up with them. You know, you have a choice at some point, the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, are you going to continue being where you're at and, and nurturing this and growing this and having this and being able to sustain till it hits its ceiling, which hopefully can sustain itself and still be worthwhile endeavor? Mm-hmm. Or do you have AEG Live Nation come in and blow it out of the water? Um, it's a, you know, it's a, there's no right answer. Yeah. The only right answer is what you want. Totally. I mean, it's whatever, whatever feels right. But like I tell the artists that can't play with us anymore, we're always there for you. Yeah. And what, you know, I don't wish a downturn in anyone's career or my own life, but I know I've been up, I've been down, I've been up, I've been down. And then the friends that maintain, you know, the deep friendships, they're there with you. They don't judge you. They support you no matter what. So that's what we're building with Winter Wondergrass. And that's for our staff members too. I've had people come on board that were volunteers then they were at the box office now they're tour managing some huge pop star out on the road and yes I'm I understand like, that that's awesome like started way to the, go uh, started the wet company work exchange team and then these employees and uh, these volunteers are, that some turned to interns and same path you know yeah. now we're like working with major companies making way more money than I am but I'm happy for them you know it's they incredible. did it but you can, and I'm sure you're like me where you can see those young kids uh, coming out of college that have that itch and you just got to point them in the right direction. And, and, and it's not even the right direction. It's just like open their eyes and say, okay, see that, see that, see that. What did you see? They're like, I don't know. Those are called opportunities. Doesn't matter which one you choose, just go with one. And you'll always find yourself if you keep going through the opportunities and you'll find the right ones because you'll choose the ones that are most appealing to you. And that's how they do it. Totally. I always say like, be curious. Don't worry about failing. All that means is you're closer to attaining your goal you know every challenge is an opportunity mm-hmm. and if we can help support you now or in the future that we're always here for you I mean, but take that's ownership on your failures you know absolutely take ownership on your mistakes this uh i mean listen you know this is what happens when we turn 40 right all of a sudden it's you know that that generation coming up you know like i mean our parents <laughs> did that everyone does it i get it mm-hmm. uh, but i do feel like even even our generation was lacking taking ownership and now it's just like there's no ownership. It's just like, I'm not going to acknowledge the fact that I didn't turn that in. I didn't do that. Right. And it's like, no, because the ones that actually take ownership on that, they don't make those same mistakes because they learn from them because they acknowledge them. If you don't acknowledge them, how do you learn? Absolutely. Accountability 
integrity and intention. I yeah. mean, it's huge. Um, so Dell and Grisman and uh, and uh, Peter Rowan and Sam Bush. You ever have all of those guys in the same place? Um, I've had Sam and Peter together. Um, um, Dell doesn't want to play the festival because it's too cold, which I totally get. And yeah. so huge shout out to these artists, which we didn't mention, but they're playing stringed instruments in the middle of the winter, sometimes a blizzard, and then they do it and they show up for the community. I mean, I'm blown away um, at their their ability to deliver an experience, but there are a few uh, artists that you know can't come on site because they don't want to deal with the cold. Sam Bush not I would, being one I wouldn't of them. say they're too cool to do it, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, and we try to find a way to get Dell involved uh, often. What about the McCurries, though? You they get, play all the yeah. time. Yeah. Such great band. Oh, right? my gosh. Unbelievable. They they crush it. They deliver it. You they, know? And I think they've had like a resurgence uh, in the last couple of years. It feels like. I mean, they've always been there, but mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it's like they're back at it like everywhere. Uh, I really. love those guys. I, I've had great conversations with, with them, um, the McCurries, uh, after their shows. They're so grateful. Mm-hmm. They're so kind. They're so down to earth. They're inquisitive. We have short conversations. They look you in the eye. They listen. And you go off on your way smiling, and they ask for a six-pack for the road, and that's about as difficult as they are. <laughs> and, then you'll see, and then you'll see them six months, a year, two years later, and you'll pick up the conversation exactly yeah, where you left it yeah. off. They're that's very a, balanced. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. And a lot of the musicians in this scene are. And then there's a lot of the, you know, and then there's Van Turman. <laughs> so, One of my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just waiting to see him parasailing para over here somewhere in Denver. Oh, man, um, well, big thank you to our, our host here, uh, also your production your production team, right? Yeah, Symbiosis. Yes. Symbiotic. It's about, I always mess it up. That's why I try I to love right. it. I'm not, I won't edit it. <laughs> good friends of mine, I'm actually staying here, so I should know. <laughs> they probably won't listen to the podcast. No, either. well, they, they'll they listen to the first minute and then tell me, <laughs> I, 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 he's too good friends with us. We already know what he talks about. Oh, it's funny. Um, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good day.
Walk that I've already talked, and I'm teaching my 